Guru Nation, welcome to episode 412 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Jeslyn Atanu. She is a clinical research patient recruitment specialist. She also works with people trying to get into the industry as a career coach, and she works with sites on particularly getting patients for their studies and minority participation as a subspecialty. Her links are in the show notes. She's also a proud Patreon member. That's my patreon.com slash It's five bucks a month. We have a monthly mastermind with people like Jeslyn and other like-minded folks. It's not for everybody, but it's for the 1% of my audience that is really trying to grow their brand online using social media, basically. So the monthly mastermind is fire. I also post uh, one exclusive video per week on Patreon just for the Patreon members, um, having really nothing to do with clinical research, but more to do with marketing and business and things like that. So uh, that's really fun. Patreon.com slash Dansfera. Jeslin's LinkedIn links in the show notes. CRA, CRC Academy links in the show notes. If you're a site and you need more studies, I have a consulting service that can get you more studies. Text me 949-415-6256. Also text the word guru to 3199 six good things will happen and enjoy the show hello guru nation welcome back to another episode of random musings from the clinical trials guru i've got jesslyn atanu on live from houston texas jesslyn uh, I'm going to say this first because it's very important, is a Patreon member of the Patreon channel, always very active on the mastermind. You're already seeing people who are also in the mastermind, but maybe not on live, but they're listening to the replay and they're saying, hey, Dan, who is that person talking about patient recruitment? Like, put us in touch with her, please. So that's a new thing. We just started it, but it's already, you know, we're already starting to connect more people. You know, I had someone in that group, Jeslin, I'm interviewing him next week, write a book. Like he wrote a Kindle book, like 200 pages. I actually, I'm going to make my purchase today and read it because yeah. knowledge is power consistently acquiring knowledge. So that's awesome. Yes. So big things happening in that group. But we've got Jeslin Atanu for those on Instagram. You will see the video later and you will see the podcast, but where you will hear her right now. And let me know also in Instagram if you have questions, because we're going to read some questions off um, during the interview. So, Jeslyn, you know, we've had you on before, Mm -hmm. but I wanted the listeners and the viewers who are new to get a good summary of who you are and what your background is. And like I ask everybody, you know, how did you get started in clinical research? Okay. So again, my name is Jaslyn. I am a clinical research professional, started off as an EPIC consultant, became an EPIC trainer, and then transitioned into clinical research by way of patient recruitment. So um, fast forward to today, I actually train the clinical research teams at the Texas Medical Center. Um, I started a recruitment and placement business, HTEX Clinical, and in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, I've had to reevaluate and focus on feedback and research and pain points I've gotten from all my clients. And now my company, what we focus on is for sites, we help them recruit and retain their patients for all their studies. And for clinical research professionals, what I do is I career coach them and train them how to recruit themselves for the jobs that they want. So important. So, um, that's the summary of who I am and where I am at the moment. So that's basically everybody needed a COVID pivot. And that was your pivot yeah. was, you know, you went from job placements as the primary uh, business activity that you did to sort of yeah. merging into patient recruitment and then more of career coaching. Yes. So um, I did notice a few things while I recruited and placed a few professionals in the industries in terms of some mistakes they were making, some things they were doing that needed to be corrected or that would have made them gotten the job that they 
were interviewing for. So between the feedback I got from the CROs and sites that I was placing staff in and some of the feedback after the interview and throughout the recruitment process from professionals, I was able to see that, okay, hey, before they even get into the actual process of getting into into hiring for a job, there were things that they needed to know that they were not doing. Some of the things I've had to learn the hard way. So um, that was a pain point that I discovered and I decided to focus on helping people from that perspective. Right now, this is the best time to learn and to be better and to just create a better positive atmosphere for your life. So what? when did you realize, I mean, I don't know, everybody sees it differently, but when did you realize that, you know what, patient recruitment really is not only the biggest challenge in clinical research, like in the entire industry, but it's also because of that, actually, it is the best starting point for a career in research. I mean, you know Monica very well. That's how she got started yeah. with us. Yeah. I mean, we hired her as a recruiter, patient recruiter. Nice. Um, she shared that story with me and actually we do work together. Um, we were working on something that is currently on pause, but um, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but yes, in terms of patient recruitment, that has always been a strong need in the industry. Um, it's no news to you that a large majority of studies either never get completed or stop because they don't have enough patients in their trials. I've had some clients who have, or rephrased some sites, who have lost studies because they promised, over-promised actually, to have a certain number of subjects and they could not deliver. So they ended up mm. losing that study. So um, it's something I have always noticed um, in terms of getting started. I also started as a patient recruiter. So that was clearly a sign that that's a need that needs to be fulfilled. Um, once I got into the industry, even when I assisted with coordinating insights, when I was helping um, clinical research professionals get into the industry, I kept getting, hey, we need someone to help us with patients. I kept seeing coordinators get stuck and overwhelmed with patient recruitment. So it was a need that just ne never stopped saying, hey, help me fulfill this need, help me out. So it's it, it never stopped. It has always been, and I think it will continue to be for a while. Especially when we start talking about diversity in, in clinical research, yeah. which, I mean, that's another challenge in and of itself. How do we get more minorities to participate in clinical research studies. It's hard enough just to get more people, period. True. You know, but now well, there's a huge push for minority participation. And so this is never going to end. This problem with patient recruitment, unfortunately, is never going to end. And I say unfortunately because obviously that's what pushes, at the end of the day, the price of drugs higher. But right. there also is silver lining in the fact that it's going to create demand for people who, like your coaching, are willing to work to solve those problems. Because Indeed. at the end of the day, why do businesses hire people? It's to solve problems, right? Exactly. That's 100% accurate. And again, um, that's a need that's pertinent. It's very critical. So I've had some people kind of shy away from going that route because they don't see that it's, I guess, important enough. But I call patients the heart of clinical research because literally without patients, there is no research. You can create all the drugs and all the therapies you want, but if you don't have any patients to go through the research, that's the end of it. And we may never see those products or those IPs come to life in the, in the marketplace. So um, it's a need and I wish people will embrace it more. And, to, and go towards it more because it's really very critical for our industry. And at the end of the day, we're all patients also. Like you yeah. and I, I mean, all of us are patients. And this COVID thing is really illustrating that, that point. And, you know, with all the studies for healthcare workers now, like prophylaxis mm -hmm. studies that we're talking about on the clinical scoop, those are enrolling healthcare workers. Interestingly enough, a lot of those people are in clinical research. So they're now patients as well. Uh, somebody's asking on Instagram, did she interact with patient protection associations 
was she required to get their approval prior to patient enrollment? I personally know I have not. Um, so with the sites I've worked with, it's strictly based on protocol. And for the recruitment that we've had to do, of course, we had to go to IRB to get their approval for the ads and the posters and all of that. So a lot of the work I've personally had to do went through the site and we dealt primarily with the sponsor and the IRB in terms of what I'm doing for patient recruitment, be it the advertising for it, the Facebook postings, all that fun stuff. So to answer the question, no, personally, I have not directly had to associate with any of those parties. So it's interesting. You're really a general, you're becoming a generalist as we all should be. Um, So you like, let's talk first about the sites. Okay. Okay. Because that's the heart and soul of what I do as a business. And then we'll transition to talking about clinical research as a career for people wanting to get in or maybe wanting to be generalist as well. So at the site level, what can sites do? I know this is open-ended and there's lots of answers to this, but it's always good to get other people's feedback. What can sites do to increase their participation? And let's say they have a, one very important study and they're having a hard time enrolling patients. What are some things, like some universal things they can do, if any? Or, or maybe there, there aren't any universal things they can do. So the one thing that I've told a lot of my previous um, sites or clients is people do business with people they know, love, and trust. That same thing applies to clinical research. So some of these sites want to jump into a trial and get more participants into that trial, but these participants do not know who these sites and they don't know who the PI is, they don't know who they are. So naturally, when you're bringing people into a study where their health is kind of put at risk without just considering all the other aspects. You're introducing someone you do not know, asking them, hey, I have this trial and I want to test it on you technically. And it's like, whoa, it's the equivalent (laughs) of meeting someone for the first time and saying, hey, would you marry me? Yeah, it's not going to go well. So I tell people that you start by community engagement, getting active in your community. And it's just little things by for instance, your question asks about a new, tri- a new um, trial and you need participants in. So you can create an event, a community event, host your community and talk about what you do. Of course, you know, we can't go into much details on the trial, but you can make that event around that therapeutic area that you're doing the trial on. So for instance, um, cancer, you can do a breast cancer awareness event in your community. And that in just naturally to create attention, it will kind of create ways for people. Wow. Okay. So you're saying, so you're, you're not just saying join other community events. And by the way, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, a lot of these are virtual. Yeah. A lot of these are virtual now, but what you're saying is important, whether it's virtual or, or in person. You're not saying to go to someone else's association. There's a lot of associations that do this. Like, you should do that. But you're saying create your own. Like, you be the center of this. In addition. Indeed. Because at the heart of it, you want to be able to create a very personal interaction with the possible participants you're going to recruit into your studies. So as the PI, which I do hope the PI will be present at the event, will be a focal point to where you're engaging with participants, you're talking with them. It gives an atmosphere of putting humanity behind the trial. So the potential participant can see, okay, hey, I now know who this doctor is. I had a few studies, one in particular comes to mind that I had to recruit um, subjects for. It was an osteoarthritis study, and um, I had to technically cold call a few possible participants, and I kept getting a question of, 
well, who is the doctor? And I'll say the doctor's name. I'll tell them where that site or the clinic was located. And it was just, you know, graveyard silence. They did not know who the doctor and the PI was. And you could almost hear their hesitation like, uh, you want me to come be in a trial for a doctor I don't know? At a clinic I've never heard of? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> so it's that whole combination of creating a community awareness at the same time introducing this trial you're doing and tying it into an ailment or that therapeutic area's um, awareness that you can just fuse together into one awesome event and just put the humanity into what you're doing. So we get a few comments, questions on Instagram. So okay. first one, viral advertising on social media platforms are to be considered. I mean, yes. yeah, you know, I'll just say this. You can't create something thinking it's going to go viral. That's just not going to happen. You know, you just got to be, cons I think, consistent content and being a r actual resource. So you, people, a lot of people go wrong when they try to make something viral. You know, like something's popular and they try to, like, catch on to it. It's very unlikely that that's going to succeed. I mean, going viral is almost impossible. That's why it's called going viral online. Like, you know how many people try to do that every day and fail. But I think consistency is the key. Uh, somebody, Jaslyn, says, I would disagree with doing only clinical trials with people that you know. Experience, knowledge, reputation is important. No, no, no. As a point of correction, I'm not saying do trials with only people you know. So, of course, there is a foundation of starting at home with what you do, but you do have to bring other people in. How are you going to bring them in is by community engagement. You have to first try to get to know them. Of course, you can always cold call them. That's I'm not saying that's not an option, but for you to introduce what you do to people you don't know, there has to be a starting point. So how do you have that start with them? Mm -hmm. How do you introduce yourself to them? How do they become comfortable with coming to you? Because it's one thing to recruit a patient into your study, it's another thing to retain them. And these are some of the little things that matter to where it's like they came in because maybe they were indirectly coerced by the payments they will technically get for being a participant and they get in and they're like oh wait <laughs> this is not <laughs> this is not this is way too much work for just what fifty dollars right. and then they back up i've had that happen so the whole concept is yes you do have to introduce it to not just the people you know extend it to other people you know but then how do you transition from the people you know to the people you don't know and bring them into your study and they need to know you trust you to be able to do that on some level not a hundred percent trust but there needs to be some kind of trust that starts with knowing who you are i agree with you i think you have to start no matter what you're doing whether it's mm -hmm. selling lemonade or clinical research you have to start with your sphere of influence the people that yes. are closest to you that can help you and then it's like a network effect you know they're gonna tell you know as long as what you're doing is providing real value and people find it interesting I mean you can call that going viral I guess in a small sense uh, you know like not in the internet um, not in the internet sense sense of the word uh, going viral but you know the network effect essentially is going viral so starting yeah. with your sphere of influence I agree with you I also think if you're a site owner or you you're somebody that's wanting to start a site what's the best way to get a PI which is usually the hardest part and the first thing you got to do when you start a site yeah. you need to go to your to your sphere of influence and say hey you know who do I know I mean start with who's your doctor like who do you actually who sees you who treats you I've talked to all my doctors that I've seen in my life about clinical research. <laughs> most of them, I'm trying to think of most or all, most of them, I don't know, all of them said no. Okay, but mm. they all had colleagues who were interested. Some of those guys yeah. became clients or at least prospects. But this is yeah. like activity is what you have to do. You have to be circulating. You can't just be stagnant. Like That's just against nature. Even in nature, when waters get stagnant, it gets moldy. You know, same yeah. thing in business. You've got to just do something. Rather, uh, 
just doing something is better than doing nothing because you're at least learning what's not going to work and you're at least putting effort into realizing what you're trying to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. So sphere of influence is where you need to start. I agree with you. Indeed. And as always, there are more than one ways to arrive at the same goal. So same, um, I've had this meme that I love that is five plus four is nine. Six plus three is nine. Eight plus one is nine. All of those numbers sum up to nine. It's just different numbers that are added up to have the exact same number. So the same thing with patient recruitment. There is no one size fit all. There is no way that is 100% yes or 100% no. Like you're saying, you have to keep activity. You have to keep trying. Definitely depends on the therapeutic area. It definitely depends on the protocol. But at the end of the day, you have to do activity. And there are certain things that you will try that will fail. Some will succeed. And what might succeed for me and this site may not necessarily succeed for you. So you just have to keep trying and you can't rely on another person saying, oh, I've tried that, that didn't work for me. Well, it may not have worked for you at your site with your therapeutic area and protocol, but for the next person, Mm -hmm. it could work. And maybe there was something that you may have done differently that didn't work, it caused it not to work versus this person who will get it right and it will work. So um, I am a true believer of going into things with an open mind and trying it and doing your best and working through whatever challenges come your way. Yeah, and this is true for CRAs too. And we're going to transition into how you're helping people get into the industry. But CRAs are often tasked with, hey, give your site, you know, their lead or their sponsor might tell the CRA, hey, next time you go to the site, try to figure out why they're not recruiting. Um, And this person said, thanks for explaining that because that wasn't clear from what was said at the beginning. So they they agree. They agree. Um, But yeah, so CRAs are oftentimes asked, hey, go to the site, see why they're not screening. And oftentimes CRAs need to understand these things too. And sometimes the site's not screening. It's, It's a matter of as simple as the patients are already there in their database, but the coordinator doesn't have time to go through it. And the PI definitely doesn't have time to go through it. So nobody's going through it. And all you really need to do is tell the PI, hey, why don't you put somebody here, you know, put somebody on your database, maybe an hour a day, maybe half an hour a day, just to go through the database. Maybe the receptionist or, um, you know, the office manager can do this. And the PIs, you know, when you tell them these things, they say, okay, that's actually a good idea because they don't Mm -hmm. think about this because usually research is not top of mind for most of these doctors. They've got so many things going on. So you and and the coordinators, you know, they're too busy to come up with these ideas. And and oftentimes coordinators don't really think outside the box. They're just doing their job and they have plenty of that to do. So, you know, sometimes the solution is simple, like really simple. Other times it's more complex, requires a little more creativity. And like you said, every site's going to be different. Every site's going to have different issues. But what about people, getting people in? So you do career coaching right now for a lot of people. You're in the Patreon, so we're building your brand, okay? Jeslyn is now the patient recruitment expert as well as the career coach expert. Like, you're doing a lot of cool things. Everyone in the Patreon, the goal with these uh, monthly masterminds is to exchange ideas and see how we could push each other to build our brands better. But you're helping people try to get in the industry or maybe people that already are in the industry level up to another position. So can you explain how you're able to do that with people? Like what is your process when somebody reaches out to you? So basically a lot of my processes with different people, of course it's tailored to each person I'm working with, but it all starts with where they are and where they're trying to get to. So for one person who wants to be a CRA and they have no clinical research knowledge and, and experience, their path is going to be very different from another person who at least has a working knowledge or maybe has training but doesn't have experience. So each person is different, but it really all starts with who you are, what you have, and where you're trying to go. So it really starts for me with my different clients with goal setting 
with determining what your goal is. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a CRA? Do you want to be a CRC? Do you want to be a project manager? Do you want to be a data manager? There are a lot of options in the industry and all of them require different paths. So it really starts with me from that part. From that part, what is your goal? What is your clinical research goal? Then once we determine that, we then draw out a plan in terms of, okay, hey, based on who you are and what you have, here is how we can bridge your path into clinical research from who you are and where you are into that CRA goal or CRC, whatever your designated goal is. So it's definitely very tailored. It's very customized. It's a individual thing that I work with different people on. And it starts with who you are, what you have in terms of knowledge and experience and where you're trying to get in clinical research. Yes. So I probably get this a variation of this question every day from Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias. Okay, Dan, I'm located in, and it really doesn't matter where they're located. I mean, it's all over the world. I'm located yeah. here, and I want to intern. I watched your video on interning, uh, and they, so they must have skipped over the patient recruitment part. But <laughs> they said, I know it's important to intern. I've seen your videos. How do I do that? You know, and I'm sure you get these questions a lot too. So, outside of the CRA Academy or the CRC Academy, where that's kind of built in for the graduates, there are ways to do it. You know, and here's a huge hint is patient recruitment. What we talked about for the entire 25 minutes that we've been doing this interview so far. But what is like more specific than that? Because Jeslyn, everybody has different backgrounds. Everybody has different yeah. skills. Some people are really good at making websites. Other people are really good at being organized. Other people are really outgoing and so would be good for community outreach. I don't know what the answer is for everyone, but they need to know what their strengths are and then see how sites can utilize them. Because every site, one thing I know is that every site is always looking for more clinicians in the community to help them, more studies, and more patients, and also integrated with all of this is like social media and digital marketing and branding for the site. So many sites don't even have their own Instagram. I mean, my own sites, you know, we have Facebook pages, thankfully, because of Monica, but we don't do Instagram for the sites. We don't do any of that stuff. I'm hoping that my brand is enough to, to help those sites, but most sites don't even have these platforms so i always tell them hey what are you good at this is what sites need these four things i just mentioned uh, so figure out where you fit in and if it's not one of those four things what is it so what is your answers to them when they ask you these things because i'm sure you get it all the time now yes so that is a great question and your answer is equally as great so um in terms of starting with who you are and what do you have that definitely applies in terms of getting started with a site. So you may not be very articulate or comfortable with doing patient recruitment because there does require a bit of personality and being able to talk to people. Not everyone is built for that. Like you said, you may be great with social media. You may be great with you know computers and doing something digital. Tap into that. There is no harm in starting with what you have. That is your power. Start with that. But the key with that is find out with the sites. And I tell my clients this, the sites in your community, there's no need in leaving Houston, Texas and jumping all the way to New York trying to get sites to work with you. Start in your home. Start in your general area. Use clinicaltrials.gov. Use Google. It's a great asset to find out, hey, what clinical sites are in my area? What clinical research sites are in my zip code? Find out who they are, contact them, and find their pain points. She did a video a few months ago, I want to say right before COVID started, and that's what really helped me transition to where I am right now in terms of finding the pain points in these sites and meet that need. That's literally how a lot of things get started is by solving problems. So if you call a site and they're like, eh, I don't need patient recruitment, well, don't just walk away. You can have a conversation and find, well, 
well, what are your needs? Do you have a social media page? Or you can jump the gun if you look for a site and you notice, hey, they're not on social media. That is a solid clue for you to approach, the, approach them from that aspect. So start with what you're strong in, what you're really good at. Mm-hmm. Communicate with sites in your area. Approach them. Find out what their needs and offer what your solution is, what you are able to do. Offer it to them as a solution. Sites have a lot that they need to do with trials and they have their hands full. They don't always want or need to have to stop what they're doing, whatever trials you're doing to train you. And so the moment they see a person coming that's new with no research experience, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to have to stop and train you. And that's going to be time that they can't always afford. So it's a question of, hey, start with what you know, what you can offer and present it as a solution to the sites in your area. That's a great starting point. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people think and, you know, maybe they're right. They, They, you know, everyone is valuable. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But a lot of people come with the mentality that, hey, you know, isn't my free labor worth enough for the site to bring me on and the answer is no the answer is no here's why because sites don't need another problem you know they already have enough problems now they're going to have you come in there you're research naive that's another problem for them right you have to come in you can't be passive and just ask the site hey you know i'm here to help you have to be proactive, like you said. Look at their Facebook. Do they have a page? Do they have what's their SEO? On, like, do they have a blog? Do they have a podcast? Um, anything really? That's that's just the digital stuff. What about the community outreach? What about you going on clinicaltrials.gov and looking for studies that might be appropriate yeah. for them, and then going to them and say, "Hey, I found some studies for you. Do you mind if I reach out to them on your behalf?" I just want to intern here. They like that. They like the go-getter because now you're showing them you're not a problem. You're not a liability. You're a potential asset. Indeed. That is 100% accurate. And again, there are multiple ways of arriving at the same result or goal. So it's not a focus on one. And um, in terms of... (laughs) people looking at their labor as free. That's why with my clients, I coach them in terms of what are you trying to achieve? That should be your focus, not what you're being taken advantage of. I try my hardest not to focus on the negative. It's really easy to do that. I try to like keep my eye on the, the positive, which is what am I trying to accomplish? What is my goal? And even if my labor is free, I look at it from the perspective, hey, I am actually helping someone. I'm actually meeting a need. But when you focus on what you're doing at these sites, that gives you a different perspective in terms of free labor versus not free labor. Eventually, that free labor will become profitable to where you've built experience. You've gotten your leg into the door. You wouldn't have had that opportunity if you didn't offer that free labor. Free labor is what it's... COVID is going to expose that. I think it already has. I mean, I've been in this industry since 2005. Here in 2020... I'm still doing free labor, and I'm not talking about these videos, right? I'm, I'm not talking about creating content. I'm talking uh, about actual monitoring work, which you're actually helping us on, Jeslyn. Yeah. But, like, yeah. monitoring work. I took on a CRO project for free. Now, we're supposed to get paid at some point, but we took it on initially for free <laughs> because we want the experience not only for ourselves but for our students. So, if you're just starting out... I mean, I think this is like the new model for the economy is, hey, we're sort of going back to an apprenticeship uh, yeah. mentality or mode where if you really want to be a generalist, you're going to have to learn from people already doing it. So if you want to start, if you want to start at the site level, you kind of have to learn what it takes to work at the site level, right? And then once you get that experience, now you can go somewhere else. If those people don't want to hire you, you go somewhere else. But now you have the experience on your CV. Same with these CRAs. You know, one of our friends, Ashley, you know, Ashley Margo, I'm going to be interviewing her next week. She just started out as a CRA. She's an entry-level CRA, but she's been in in, in clinical for like a decade but now she's actually in research in in yeah. clinical research as a CRA so she's already 
cross training she's taking advantage of the CRO's training like she's doing way more than what they're just asking her to do she's focusing on different therapeutic areas that she's interested in so she can build her expertise and guess what all of those come with certificates so now you could print those and put them on your CV but how many CRAs are actually doing that when they start out and they have they have it all there at their fingertips right so free free labor is the way to go I think and I really think a lot of people need to um, consider the, their mindset and their perspective on these topics. Of course, there would always be people who would want to take advantage of your free labor. There would always be setbacks and not everyone can do free labor given their own personal and financial needs. But the mindset and perspective still stands. How are you approaching this free labor issue? Are you looking at it as you're being taken advantage of and this is not worth it? Or are you looking at it as, hey, this is my foot in the door. This is an opportunity for me to learn the industry. This is an opportunity yeah. for me to gain experience that I need to get hired in the position I want. Because the reality is for the CRAs in particular, anything CR, clinical research associate, you do need experience. And um, it doesn't matter how valuable you think you are they would not give you the chance to show that to them i'm talking about sponsors and um pharmaceuticals without the experience so how do you get that experience this is a cat twin suit that is just age old or even to where people, <laughs> yes exactly everyone wants people with experience but it almost seems as if no one wants to give people a chance to get that experience. So right now, it seems like free labor is the opportunity that we can get that experience we need. It's not going to be easy. You do have to do a lot of work and a lot of, you know, trying this and trying that and doing a lot of things to get there. But boiling it all down to your perspective and your mindset. And this is why I start with my clients in terms of who you are as a person what you have in terms of education and whatever your experience experiences are and what your goal is this is how we can now start working on your mindset and your perspective in the free labor aspect and whatever other aspects that come along the way the way i see it this is why our cra academy and crc academy are doing so well yeah. we're, we're offering the internship uh, but you're paying for it. So the way I see it is if you can find a way to get that experience, you know, we have breast cancer, we have COVID studies that you yeah. would intern on. But if you can bypass paying the money to take a course and just skip to the internship uh, at a site near you, look, like, look, other people are paying money to do the free labor. So if yeah, you can yeah. bypass that, you know, you can do it. The difference is it's guaranteed in our academy versus with you. You're probably going to fail until you find a place that says yes, or you got to figure out your strategy, your personal branding, which we talk about on Patreon as well. Yeah. We've been getting a lot of people on this Patreon, actually. I just started it. We've been getting more and more people joining. So it's good. Yeah. We're gonna, we need to build personal brands for everybody, right? Yeah. And that helps yeah. get your foot in the door too. Like if they already, if you go to a site and they maybe have already seen you on LinkedIn because you wrote a good article that they're interested in or you made a good video, here's a hint. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's something. Like here's something I would talk about on Patreon that we're going to give to everybody right now because I, I don't like to mix these two channels because business and marketing is one thing, clinical research is another thing. But this is a place where they kind of intersect in this interview. Yeah. So, Let's say you want to intern at a site near you and you're in Houston, Texas, okay? You can go, um, you can write an article or you make a video or you do a podcast, whatever you want. Do a TikTok right. dance. I don't care. Say these are five <laughs> things, research sites in Houston, Texas, or if you can get even more local. Like where, where are you in Houston, Jocelyn? I am in the Sugarland area. Okay, so five things sites in the Shindelin area can do to get more studies or get more patients. And you can take it from, you can literally hear what Jeslin said about how to get patients at the beginning of this interview and write them down or make it or make a video about it and put it on LinkedIn, send it to those sites. You can inbox it and say, hey, I noticed you're a site owner. You know, I, I made this video for you. 
right? Like, how cool would that be? Everybody would open it. Or you could find these people's emails, not that hard to find. Or you can run an ad on Facebook or Instagram. That's one way to do it. And then when you approach them, they're already going to remember you. Like, hey, yeah, I saw your video. You know, uh, so that's one way to go about it. There's a lot of different strategies you can do, but personal branding is important for everybody. Indeed. And one thing that I have noticed that I do work with my clients with is a lot of people are literally anticipating and afraid of hearing the word no. Understandably so. So um, that's a worry that I've noticed a lot of people subconsciously focus on to where they don't want to have to write the article. And I had that fear as well myself. So it's personal for me as well. I was hesitant to do an article or do one of the other thing because I was concerned about, oh, what if they say no? But then I've had to realize that majority of people will say no and people will say no even up to like seven, eight times before they say yes. And it's like an immediate thing that people do to where they already make their minds up about you, about what you're presenting to them and they don't immediately listen. So a lot of people are afraid of hearing no and that keeps them from even starting. And some people start and when they hear no, they stop. Um, True story, before I got started in the industry, one of the sites I ended up starting with, I actually approached them consistently for up to two years. And I kept hearing no, 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 no. We don't have a need, we don't need assistance, we don't need a patient recruiter, we don't need a coordinator, we don't, no, no. And a few times I got so discouraged, so frustrated to where I'm like, I am done. I am not doing anything clinical research. This industry does not encourage people to come in today. I was done. And it's funny that I quit. And then I would listen to one of your videos and I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. And what he said is true. You can't stop. I'll listen to some of your videos and the whole passion for clinical research will rise back up. So I got back in. I did what I trained my um, clients to do. Fast forward to two years later, the same person I approached repeatedly that told me no so many times ended up telling me yes. And that's how I got started in clinical research. And it's funny because when I got to meet and network with the other workers at that time, I was told that multiple times when I would reached out to that site, they had a need. And I kept telling, I kept getting told no, but they had a need. But my point is, if I had let the no I consistently heard stop me, if I had stayed in the moments where I quit, I would not have been able to get in and build to where I am. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I will continue to grow and learn and get better. That's a standard. But if I listen to the no's I consistently heard, I would have never gotten to the yes. And it all stemmed on me being persistent, me being consistent, me not letting the no stop me. And it was crazy to where it's like, it's the same person I consistently communicated with. She told me, no, I'll give her a few, like maybe a month. And I'll reach right back to her like, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm just checking to see how your site is doing. Do you need a patient recruiter? Do you need any assistance? I will be available to help you, whatever. I, I kept doing that. And so I would want to encourage everyone watching that, yes, you will hear no's. With what you're doing, not just in clinical research, just across the board, you will hear no's. But the no's are not meant to stop you. Stay the course, do your due diligence, work to what's being better, and push through the no's. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is going to agree with you, not everyone's going to support you, but as long as you're passionate about what you're doing, and what you're doing is true, true to you, and it's accurate, and it's not harmful, stay the course and just keep on doing it. Do not let no stop you from proceeding. Be persistent. Or from writing the article and being persistent. Persist, persistent. do not let no stop you or scare you. I I don't practice much, but I have a California real estate license, and I have a lot of buddies in that space. And they're really good at, well, the successful ones are really good at being persistent. And one of them told me, when I hear no, I don't even hear no, I hear not yet. Or, you know, not that way, not that way. Uh, 
So you've yeah. got to just like completely change your filter because when they tell you no, it probably means no, I'm not ready right now or not yet mm-hmm. or not the way you're proposing it. That's not what I'm comfortable with. You just got to keep coming back with different ways of and, and approach it differently each time or maybe just being persistent the same way or explaining it better. I mean, you know, no. And, and some people know is no. And right. you just got to move on. But, but you got to know when and also volume. You have to have volume. You can't just rely on one person. Hey, if this site doesn't take me as an intern, that's going to end yeah, my career in clinical research. Y'all. Yeah, no, you can't do it that. It really shouldn't be that way. And that's really authentic. Um, I did have a um, friend of mine, an older gentleman, who shared that with me to where he says, yes, no is not personal. People are just People tend to be negative and for you to get to the positive side of them, you do have to be persistent. And yes, not every no is an attack against you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just like you said, it's just not the right time for that person or they don't have the need or maybe you just didn't present it the way that would be acceptable for them. So it's just a redirection. It's hard to hear. It's discouraging when you've heard that back to back to back. That's where the persistence comes into play. But it's boiling down to your perception, how you're perceiving what you're hearing, which is really hard and challenging. But mm-hmm. you have to really focus on your perception of these little things like the word no. And by the way, this applies to sites too. Sites hear no probably more than you know people looking for jobs would hear no when they approach yeah. sponsors for studies. You know, sites need to, and sites are doing a better job at this. They need to treat patient recruitment and business development like a sales process because it really is. And a lot of researchers seem to shy away from that word because they don't want to be selling. You know, they're in science, they're in medicine. I kind of understand it, but at the end of the day, everything is sales and influence and persuasion and convincing people that something's right. So you just got to put yourself out there like you've been doing. Uh, thanks to the Patreon channel. I'm just curious if you feel like sharing that guy who's in the Patreon group, what did he want uh, f- uh, from you? Did he need help with uh, recruitment or, or what did he need help with? So actually, um, we are still kind of like talking. We're actually going to have a conference um, next week, a okay. conference next week. But he basically had a few shared experiences in terms of my approach towards PI and he had some PIs he wanted to start a site but he had some setbacks and I at one point was working towards that which is on pause right now but um, he wanted to just kind of like meet and just kind of like share info and see what we can come up with so I do yet know in what capacity we'll be working together Um, but he's going to be starting a site soon and I'm going to talk with him in terms of what I'm able to offer for him. That's great. See, put yourself out there. So we yeah. we kind of covered it all, you know, from the site level to the patient recruitment level, um, right. you know, all the way to how, how sites can find studies, how sites can find patients, uh, how yeah. people can get into the industry if they want to get in. Um, and also just kind of being a generalist, like, you know, Ashley Margo is a good example of this. So she are, she is a CRA now, but she's training herself, yeah. cross training on different therapeutic indications above and beyond what's asked of her when she has time. And so I think that's a key everybody should emulate is, Hey, you know, do more than what's required when you have the time, because being a generalist is going to diversify you, uh, and it'll create more options for you. No employer cares that you're a generalist for the most part like they just want you to do your job because it's purely a transaction you know i'm paying you to do this this is our output this is my input which is your salary i expect this output they don't necessarily care five years from now if the market shifts what's going to happen to you you know, and this, right. this this pandemic kind of illustrated that. Like a lot of experienced CRAs got furloughed. A lot of them. Now most of them got their jobs back, but you know, from the site level too. So being a generalist is going to be the way to go in the future. Indeed, and as a matter of fact, um, by the by August, we're in July. Good lord, um, by <laughs> August, I'm actually going to launch an online platform 
where I'll be doing a lot of videos and providing tips and insights to both sites and clinical research on career coaching and around the topic of subject recruitment. I would also be doing a lot of um, videos on some of the clinical research soft skills that people would need to get in and stay in the industry, as well as some of the clinical research processes. So just to kind of like help people and to keep the information available, I will be putting that um, starting next month, all things working together in my favor. But um, yes, information is power, knowledge is power, and I will definitely be doing that. So to be free for people to access, it will more than likely be on Patreon, but definitely it will be on YouTube, just putting out videos where you can learn tips on how to be a patient recruiter for sites, how to get more sites, insights, and of course, I am available for people to, you know, reach out to for one-on-one -on -one coaching and for more personalized coaching or to consult for patient recruitment, but for those who may not be able to like afford whatever fees may be associated with that, I would have videos that will start being posted by August. Very much needed in the industry. Jeslyn, thank you very much. Uh, thank you everyone on Instagram, the show, and the, as, as well as links to Jeslyn's LinkedIn profile are going to be in the show notes, and this podcast yeah. episode will go up uh for sure shortly but uh i really appreciate it jeslyn let's Thank download you. the video from instagram i really appreciate it and uh anything else you want to add as we wrap up um right now this is it um definitely i am open and available for people to reach out to me i will do my best to respond as soon as possible so if i don't get back to you please do not take it personally i am not ignoring you i'm one person and i really do want to be able to help but um i'm one person so feel free to reach out to me i would respond as soon as possible and sometimes i get asked questions that are lengthy and it takes me a while to be able to respond accordingly. So um, be patient, um, reach out to me, and I'll respond as soon as I possibly can, as best as I possibly can. And um, yes, once my um, video platform comes on YouTube and Patreon, I hope that everyone will join and subscribe. So hey everybody, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, and also go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, you can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.